Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is David Benjamin, your host of the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. This is the 56th episode of the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast, and I'm excited today because we have a guest that's going to talk about one of my favorite superfoods on the planet, and it's a food that uh, it kind of hits home for me, if you will, in certain ways. It's it's something, I'm not Italian or anything, but we're talking about garlic. And uh, the cool thing about it is, uh, my, and as I told uh, Peter Jostling, our guest today, before the show, my great-grandfather ate raw garlic every day, uh, actually with popcorn. And he smoked every day, and he drank alcohol as well, as, and, and he really didn't live a healthy lifestyle except for the garlic, but he still lived to 93 years old. So I, I kind of have this fascination with garlic and, and the medicinal properties and, and the different levels of what it does in, within the body. Uh, so, t- so today on the show we have Peter Jostling. He's the director of the Sussex-based Herbal Research Center. He is trained he is a trained biochemist graduating from Nottingham University in England, and he gained a PhD in natural medicine in 2005 from Reading. He has published, he has had over 25 years experience in the international health food arena, devoting his time to conducting and publishing clinical studies and writing scientific articles on a wide variety of natural products, including garlic, ginger, ginkgo biloba, phos. Fetidyl serene, and I do not have a PhD, so I do not know how to pronounce this. Uh, <laughs> hyper, this is another one. I'm sure we'll get into this. Uh, hyper, hypericum, is that right? Hypericum, that's right. David. Hypericum, uh, and sal- it's phosphatidyl serene. Okay, <laughs> sal palmetto cellulose, and vitamin C, black elderberry, magnesium, first published, and allicin, first published. And today we're going to talk probably mostly about Allison, which is the, the uh, natural compound. It's the heart of garlic, and his book is called Allison, the Heart of Garlic, and I will link that up in the show notes as well as in the blog. Uh, you can purchase that on Amazon. Uh, he, was, he has also formulated over 20 combination products using stabilized Allison as the base material and completed clinical research on extracts used in human and animal health. And just to be clear, uh, Dr. Peter Jostling, Allison is not a woman, correct? <laughs> That's correct. Well, <laughs> I'd say she's a female form of garlic, perhaps, I don't know. But um, no, it's, it's the active ingredient that is uh, produced when you cut or crush or cook or chop or stir-fry your garlic. As soon as you start that process, you start a chemical reaction and the first compound that's released, and everybody around the world agrees with this, is allicin. And allicin has some quite remarkable properties, as I'm sure we're going to learn about over the next uh, few minutes or so. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it more. Uh, the first question I have for you, and this is really what I ask every guest on the show, is how did you get interested into health, wellness, and, and garlic specifically? Well, it goes back quite a long time now. I've been involved in the health food industry for more than 25 years now. It doesn't seem possible, really. Um, but before that, I, was, uh, I had a brief foray into the pharmaceutical industry. So I'm quite lucky in that I've seen health and wellness from both sides. You know, a lot of natural medicine supporters don't really like the idea of pharmaceutical drugs. Having said that, I'm a diabetic, so I actually do rely on pharmaceutical drugs to keep me alive. So my my background and experience is in uh, all sorts of areas, including uh, clinical research, medical publishing. Uh, I I was working for a publishing house, a medical house, that published the first data to show that garlic extracts could reduce cholesterol and blood pressure for example. And that, that's what got me really interested in garlic. I, I went away to the British Library and did some research, and to my really shock and amazement, I... Are you still there? Garlic was the main subject. So, you know, it obviously has a great history. You, you broke up a little bit there. You, you were mentioning that uh, you went to the library and you found that it had some fascinating research. Uh, can you just restate that real quick? Yeah, sorry. The, you know, the internet connection here in the UK is absolutely dreadful. Um, so I do apologize for that. I'm sure the fault was at my end. But no, the point I was making was that when I did this research, I found more than 2,500 
published papers and clinical articles about garlic. And I, I couldn't really believe it. So I went away and um, uh, we commissioned this article on garlic and cardiovascular disease. And that day forwards, I've been absolutely totally fascinated by, by this wonderful herb, vegetable, spice, medicine that's been used for literally thousands of years across all cultures of, of uh, known to man. And if you trace back the history of garlic, I mean, it really is quite remarkable. It goes back into ancient Egypt, about oh, 2,500 years BC, where there's a very, very famous medical papyrus called the Codex Ebers. And this is a list of remedies for illnesses that troubled the Egyptians 2,500 years BC. And in over 20 of those remedies, garlic is the main active agent. And it was used for things like bites, wounds, tumors, digestive problems, uh, infection, although they didn't know what an immune system was in those days. So they weren't really sure what infections were and what caused them. So this kind of made me very, very interested. And then some years later, I was able to lead a team of uh, chemists and chemical engineers and biochemists, and we stabilized the first ever extract of, of allicin. And uh, that was a, a world first. It's a patented uh, material. And since then, we've, we've really treated and healed many, many thousands of people and animals from some of the worst infectious diseases known to man in the 21st century. Very cool. It sounds like it has a lot of uses. And I'm glad you brought up the history because in your book you talk about the Egyptian people and uh, I believe you mentioned that they actually gave the people, uh, the Egyptian workers building the pyramids, uh, the, the pyramids of Gaza, garlic, correct? They did, that's right. They were fed a daily diet, a daily ration of, of garlic. I mean, garlic, as obviously, is a lovely addition to food of all descriptions. So in those days, they were adding it to the food to spice up the beans and the pulses that were common in Egypt in those days. But at the same time, the ruling Egyptians knew only too well that something in the garlic was able to keep large populations relatively free from uh, disease and problems. You can imagine, can't you, David, in a large group of people, if somebody catches a cold or a cough or a sneeze, then that can be spread amongst that large group of people very, very, very quickly. I mean, we see that today, don't we, don't we with, with all of the uh, viruses that have caused problems in the last few years. So in those days, they knew that something in the garlic could keep their workers fit and healthy. So they were fed a daily ration just to strengthen them. And what we've learned in really relatively recent years is that the, it's the allicin that's the active ingredient. And what it does is it actually boosts the immune system by increasing the number of CD4 T cells, that's the killer cells, that your own immune system needs to release to be able to fight off and ward off infectious uh, disease and pathogens of all descriptions. Interesting. So I'm familiar with T-cells within the immune system. Are there different T-cells within the immune system or is that a specific T-cell? No, there are lots of different types of T-cells, but these CD4 T-cells are the killer cells which uh, are released to ena enable your immune system literally to go around eating up uh, things like viruses, bacteria, funguses, uh, even parasites. And they'll also be involved in, in um, breaking up cholesterol crystals in the blood, uh, all sorts of things, really. I mean, your, your immune system releases them anyway, but we know that extracts like the stabilized allicin that I'm involved with can increase the number of CD4 T cells. So if you're, let's say, somebody with a weakened immunity, then you've got a much better chance of fighting off an infection. So for me, for example, I'm a diabetic. And, you know, every year I would catch a cold and get quite ill. My blood sugars would go crazy. But since the advent of stabilized allicin, um, I ha I've had probably two colds in 14 years. Mm -hmm. And, okay, I'm not the best pill taker in the world, uh, but I will eat fresh garlic in my diet. And, of course, I will take the stabilized allicin capsules. 
So I think it's directly related to that uh, ability to be able to strengthen a weakened immune system. Uh, and interestingly, garlic can also suppress an overactive immune system. So that's why it's always been quite useful for things like hay fever treatment as well. An over, can you speak a bit about an overactive immune system? I'm not too familiar with... Uh... Sure. Well, if you, obviously, you know, if, you, if you're one of these unfortunate souls that gets seasonal affective disorder, or hay fever, as it's known, then basically what happens is the, the, the pollens get into the nose, they penetrate down into the mast cells, they uh, then trigger a reaction in the lungs, which release histamine. And your immune system works overtime to release as much histamine as possible to counteract the negative impact of that pollen coming into the lungs. All the lungs really want is fresh, clean air. But when they're getting pollen in there, they start releasing histamine and you get, you get runny eyes, you get a runny nose, you get sneezing. So this is what we call an overactive immune system. And garlic can actually suppress that a little bit and normalize it, I suppose, is the best word to use. So garlic in general has this very interesting ability to be able to protect uh, and boost an underactive immune system, i.e. by killing out infection, or to be able to reduce an overactive immune system uh, so that you don't suffer side effects from some kind of external toxin. Interesting. Let's talk a bit more about the, the active compound within garlic allicin. How, how is it, you mentioned if you crush it, cook it, uh, or if you're you know just eating raw garlic, what are, what are the different effects of those different processes and how does that affect our health and well-being? Well, this is, this is the basic chemistry of garlic. Um, it's very simple to understand and everybody agrees about this. It was first um, denoted in about, <coughs> excuse me, in about the 1920s. And they showed that um, in fresh garlic, so you take your bulb of garlic and break it up into cloves, that doesn't really smell very much. And in fact, there's no allicin in the garlic. This is something that most people don't fully understand. But in fresh garlic, there is no allicin at all. There are two precursor compounds that when they come together will release allicin. So uh, in, a, in a garlic clove, you know, you know if you leave it in the cupboard, it'll try to sprout again, won't it, the garlic? Mm -hmm. So what happens is, in the middle of each garlic clove, in the center, there's an enzyme called alanase. And then around all of the cells around that central core, there's a little sulfur compound called alleine. Funny names, but these are what are known as um, garlic's natural defense mechanism. They're like superheroes, if you like. They come together when the garlic gets attacked by something. So let's say you're growing garlic in the backyard and you have a very wet winter uh, and some bacteria or some viruses in the soil and it starts to attack your garlic bulbs as they're growing in the soil. What happens is the alanase breaks out of its cells in the core and the alleine breaks out of its cells around that central core. And when these two compounds first mix and come together, the very first compound or chemical that they release is allicin. Nobody disagrees with that, whether you're a clinical researcher like me, a manufacturer, a distributor, uh, a scientist, whatever. Every, everybody in the garlic world, if you like, agrees that this is the actual chemical reaction that happens initially when garlic is cut, crushed, cooked, boiled, chopped, or attacked from the soil by some kind of pathogen. The same is actually also true if the garlic were to get attacked from the air by uh, biting insects, for example. We, we'll probably talk a bit more about that later. Anyway, these two precursor chemicals release this allicin, and this is where it gets quite interesting because the enzyme I mentioned, alanase, is described in the medical literature as a semi-suicidal enzyme. Now, normally, when an enzyme reaction begins, it will go on forever until the... Um, the, the, the reaction vessel or the, the, the consequences in that reaction are such that the enzyme will die away. Well, in the garlic bulb, this uh, reaction only lasts a few seconds because the enzyme alanase knows that the allicin it's releasing is so powerful and so potent 
that it will kill out anything that's trying to attack the garlic from the soil or from the air. So let's say it's a, a virus that's coming in, the two precursor chemicals break open, a little bit of allicin gets released, it kills out the virus, and the enzyme dies away to be reused another day. So that's why it's called a semi-suicidal enzyme. And it also doesn't like living in the same environment as the allicin that it's just released. And that is a key factor for me when we invented the stabilization process, which I'll explain in a couple of minutes. Yeah, I'd definitely love to hear more about that. One question I have for you is, if garlic is in the soil and that reaction occurs, is it safe to say that the allicin levels, once that garlic is is uh, taken from the soil, are reduced as opposed to garlic that is grown in healthy soil and that re reaction doesn't occur initially? Actually, no. That's not, that's not really the case. Um, really? Remember, I said there's no allicin in the garlic anyway. So what happens is when a small amount of allicin gets released, and it's a tiny, tiny amount, that's more than enough to be able to kill out a fungus, a virus, or a bacteria. What is crucial is the concentration within the garlic bulb of allene and alanase enzyme, the two precursor chemicals. And that is another very good reason why the enzyme dies away almost as soon as it's released enough allicin to be able to kill out the infectious organism. So it can be reused again and again and again. Wow. Now, at the end of the cropping cycle, the quality of the garlic will not be affected unless it's been severely compromised over a number of weeks during the growing cycle. So yes, a few years ago there was um, El Nino and the US garlic uh, crop was reduced dramatically. Consequently, the price went up around the world because there was a, a, a lack of garlic. Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing happened in Europe a few years later where again there was some adverse weather conditions in early spring which is the time when the garlic bulb in the soil is growing uh, at its most advanced rate so yes it can affect the the amount of garlic that's cropped but even even the garlic that gets uh, cropped will still be of reasonable quality mm -hmm. interesting so it really kind of finds its own homeostasis and is very resilient Exactly. That's exactly right. That's just the kind of crop that garlic generally is. And by the way, um, all of the commercial garlic that you find in the in the supermarkets and the shopping malls and the health stores, um, nearly nearly all the time, the variety is Allium sativum Lin. Uh, now, in America, you also regularly find the elephant garlic, which is a very large sized uh, bulb. That unfortunately has very, very, very little allicin potential. So it's very, very fibrous and very, very watery. So if you were to cut or crush or cook that particular type of garlic, then you wouldn't really generate very much allicin at all. So in our production process, for example, we only ever use Allium sativum lin as the common variety that's grown literally all over the world in every country you can you can imagine from Canada to Kazakhstan to uh, South all across South America all across Europe in fact I think probably every country in the world grows garlic mm -hmm. Wow yeah it's a good point I, I don't know of any countries that that do not grow garlic I've been to uh, well, I think maybe yeah. parts of Africa don't grow very much but uh, but I'm not I'm not sure about that to be perfectly honest interesting very cool. So then I'm glad you brought that up too because, uh, you know, I live in, in Michigan. I live in America and oh, okay. the garlic that I see is, like you said, fibrous water. It's the water, is, you know, contains water and it seems kind of inflated, if you will. It doesn't seem like the, the heirloom garlic that, that uh, once was. And I was at a farmer's market uh, about a year ago and uh, this this lady was selling garlic there, and she started talking about the different varieties of garlic, and she had maybe eight or so different varieties, and I bought a few of them, and they were a, a little bit different color, a little bit a little bit different texture, and yep. they were definitely a richer, higher quality garlic. And and, and, and you would, you probably would have had a what they call a hard neck and a soft neck, so the stem from the middle of the garlic bulb would either be hard 
or soft. So in, in Europe, there are probably around about 200 different species of garlic. In France, for example, there's a very, very famous one called the Ale Rose de Lautrec, or pink garlic. Uh, so it's, it's not really pinky, it's more purpley pink. But it's a very, very, very strong flavor. And I'm really lucky in that uh, every year I get sent garlic from all over the world, actually, to analyze and taste and test. And I, I love eating garlic. Uh, believe me, I really do. And some, you're quite right, are very, very weak and innocuous, uh, right the way through to some which are incredibly powerful and literally knock your socks off immediately. So there is quite a variety of species. And certainly some are much more powerful. Now, generally speaking, the stronger the flavor and the taste and the burn, the more allicin you're likely to be generating from that particular garlic variety. And uh, certainly in our own manufacturing process, we analyze and test the raw garlic that we use before it actually goes into the process to make sure it's up to certain quality assurance standards uh, that will guarantee that the allicin that we produce at the end of the process is of very high quality uh, and is basically up to what we call uh, GMP or good manufacturing uh, procedure. Right, very cool. So with in the UK, is it similar where you have the, the fibrous garlic in, in the supermarkets and then you, you also have the, the higher quality garlics at farmers markets and things like that as well? We do, yes. We are. One, of my, one of my best friends is a guy called Colin Boswell, and he grows garlic on the Isle of Wight, which is a little island off the south coast of England or Great Britain. And that is, it's got a lovely microclimate there, so it's very, very good for growing garlic. And he exhibits at uh, farmer's markets and at uh, uh, flower shows and produce shows, and he's won many, many awards for the quality of his garlic uh and yes we do also have the elephant garlic we also have what they call a single clove garlic so it's the size of a normal garlic bulb but when you try and break it into cloves you cannot because it's only one clove so that's quite unusual as well hmm. interesting wow I'm becoming <laughs> somewhat of a garlic connoisseur here this is great uh, <laughs> i think after this interview i'm gonna go hunt for garlic somewhere um <laughs> You need to go down to Gilroy, of course. Gilroy in California is the center for garlic growing in the U.S. And every year, I believe it's in mid-August, they have a, a fabulously big garlic festival there. But you'll find if you just do a quick Google search, there are garlic festivals all over the continental United States, uh, all through the summer uh, and autumn months. Wow, this is cool. It's kind of like wine or cheese or mushrooms or you know it's, it's it goes chocolate. Very well. <laughs> <laughs> interesting i had no idea that I, i'm intrigued very cool um so let, let's talk a bit about you know we, we mentioned allison a bit and definitely i want to get into the the understanding the stabilized form of allison in a bit but before we get into that uh you know garlic is most people just see garlic and they think oh it, you know adds a little heat and spice to food whether it be soups or you know pasta or salad or whatever it may be but there's a nutritional profile to garlic as well. So what does that nutritional profile look like beyond allicin? Uh, well, interestingly, it, it's not very nutritious. It won't give you many calories, for example. Mm -hmm. um, it certainly doesn't contain any carbohydrates. It does have a wide range of uh, micro and macronutrients, though. Um, everything from selenium, which is, of course, very important, magnesium, uh, uh, copper, silver, uh, not silver, um, uh, all, all of these, all of these things that garlic contains, unfortunately, are usually lacking in the soil uh, that that most of our crops are grown in. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm a great uh, believer in magnesium and selenium, and uh, if we all were to have decent levels of those two compounds in our blood, then the the uh, the number of disease states would be decreased dramatically. And unfortunately, that's pretty much all due to um, over-farming and the intensification of farming around the world, unfortunately, which has left the soils completely devoid of any real ma major macro and micronutrients, which is why, of course, they have to put loads of chemicals in there 
to try and uh, allow the crops to grow properly. It's a bit of a vicious circle, I'm afraid. So garlic's not really going to do very much for you nutritionally as such. But chemically, uh, the key feature is the allicin and all of the compounds that come from allicin, of which there are quite a few. Mm-hmm. But you do bring up a great point because, you know, even with magnesium, I believe in America, 80, 80 to 85%, it's a, the majority of Americans are deficient in magnesium, which yeah. it's, like you said, it's a very important mineral for, uh, you know, the, the heart rate, the blood, the, uh, the joints, and th- there's so much value and benefit that I don't know too much about selenium, but it is definitely uh, important as well. Can you speak a bit about that? And, and it's, a, it's a great point you brought up as well that these different nutrients may not be in other foods and you know tomatoes or or cucumbers or or what what have you but but selenium you know that's definitely not in most foods so what is the value of that well selenium is is one of those nutrients that's vital for um cell definition so um it's quite important in lots of different areas a bit like magnesium really uh in that we've been trying to supplement with selenium for many many years because most researchers realize how important it really is in terms of many of the, the major body systems that operate during our life lifetimes. So um, I would always be keen for anybody uh, who, who, is, who is interested to try and increase the amount of selenium and magnesium that they take in their diets every day. Now, organic food obviously is, is much better in that respect in terms of what it actually contains. So, uh, you know, if it's possible to convert over to organic uh, uh, fruits and vegetables and uh, and potatoes, etc., then that, to me, is is a very good thing to do. But personally, what I'd rather see is is intensive farming reduced and soil regeneration introduced, so that the the soil does actually contain the nutrients that the plants need to be able to absorb during the growing cycles. And that way, everybody benefits. You know, it's, it's not rocket science, David. It's pretty straightforward, really. Mm-hmm. It just needs the will of the people, if you like, to, to actually do it. And unfortunately, uh, you know, agriculture and horticulture tends to be dominated by a few mega corporations uh, in, in whom they have no interest in, in achieving those goals. Right. Uh, that's the sad state of affairs, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. I live in the Midwest, and monoculture is huge here. You drive down the highway, and you have uh, corn. You know, monoculture corn, soy, uh, and it's. But but there is a there is a definitely a a consciousness understanding the value of organic farming, biodynamic farming, permaculture, horticulture, and different methods to uh, re reintroduce the soil, if you will, to. Uh, bring the microbes back into the soil, the the minerals back into the soil, and just create healthy, uh, uh, nutrient dense soil again. And exactly. and people are becoming more aware of that. Even I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. It's funny. I live real real close to the the Henry Ford Estate, which is Henry Ford's home. Oh, okay. And uh, what's interesting is you know most people in the world see him as a uh, you know big you know well he was obviously one of the most successful people of all time financially and in business. And they see him as someone who invented the assembly line and this, all these different things. But if you go to his estate, it's very, it's very natural. He used, uh, he he was he you know he composted. He had his own gardens. Uh, he had he generated his own energy. I mean, he was a very eco-friendly. He had a green thumb. You know, he's very eco-friendly and understood the sustainability aspect of 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 living. And but if you see him. You know the the depictions of him in the business world. It's very, it's very you know very different. It's yeah. very different. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's interesting when you when you kind of go back and you and you look at these different people and understand these different things. And then there's even stories behind that where, uh, you know, his, the people he worked with, uh, you know, he wanted to have an alcohol powered car, which would have allowed farmers and and gardeners even to create organic alcohol from home to fuel their automobile uh but that was ruined by by i believe it was the rockefellers because you know they had <laughs> oil interests and yeah it, it goes on and on and it's like it's amazing when you start to look at these different icons in society and how things have kind of developed over time to go back and, and understand that there was a, an understanding and and in, in these areas but 
somehow economically they were twisted to become you know what is today monoculture and and big agriculture and, and all these different mega corporations that kind of suppress the the sustainability and quality of the different methods that that you and I are talking about. There's, so, there's, quite, there's quite a heavy irony there, then, isn't there? Really, right? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's it's interesting and it's cool though because you know for me you know it's just seeing that it's it's kind of refreshing you know. Uh, and I and I live in, in Henry Ford's hometown, so it's just kind of cool to understand that. And you know, I, I tell whoever I can who I think might find it interesting, just to kind of inspire them to think, well, if someone that successful was like that behind the scenes, you know, maybe maybe there's more to this, you know, uh, because people for some reason listen to people that have money as more than people who uh, you know focus on other means, quality of life, and and you know things that we're talking about. So um, it is interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, so l- let's talk about the, the, the active compound, Allison, and, and you talked a bit in your book about supplements and how they, they really don't compare to the whole food garlic. Uh, why is that and what is the stabilized form of garlic and how does that, kind, uh, how does that change the way garlic is brought to the market? Okay, well in, in a nutshell, um, I mean garlic supplements have been produced now for probably 70 years, I should think, 70, 80 years or so, and until recently with the advent of stabilized allicin, all the, all the extracts that you see around the world are something of a compromise. So what you really want to do is to get the mother substance from the garlic, and that, as we have alluded to, is allicin. That is the first compound that's released when you cut or crush or, or process your garlic. So that allicin, unfortunately, until recently, is very, very unstable. So as soon as it's released, it's already changing into a whole series of other sulfur-based compounds. So it really does have a very, very short half-life. And that, unfortunately, means that it's been very difficult to capture it uh, to be able to use it in any way, shape, or form. Now, you can partially stabilize garlic if you crush it up into warm water, You'll get a little bit of allicin that will go into solution. You can use whiskey or wine or beer. It's entirely up to you. Um, And you will get a little bit of benefit from that type of process. But all of the supplements that I can think of uh, only rely on your body manufacturing allicin if the conditions are right. So, for example, going back many, many years to uh, Herr Professor Dr. Hoffels, a German scientist, in the 1890s and early 1900s, he very cleverly took bulbs of fresh garlic, put them into a flask and heated them up and distilled over the essential oil of garlic. Now, that was a very, very clever thing to do at the time. And what happened was garlic, being a a natural plant, uh, the alliene, remember, and the alanase come together The allicin gets released from those two chemicals. The allicin, because it's unstable, breaks down into lots of other sulfur compounds. And that means that when you analyze, uh, in modern day times, garlic oil extracts, that's all of them, it doesn't matter how they're produced, they do not contain any allicin at all. None. Zip. They will never contain any allicin. What they do have are lots and lots and lots of sulfur compounds that are, if you like, degradation products from the allicin. So no allicin, and these types of supplement have no data, no evidence, no real uh, trials to describe whether they can do anything for the human health or not. Um, However, lots and lots of people around the globe, including many in America and Canada and the UK and Europe, Uh, take them every day because they believe that garlic is good for your heart. Now, some of these breakdown sulfur compounds may help the circulation a little bit um, by uh, speeding it up a little bit, by making the blood of slightly better quality, Um, not thinning the blood, by the way. That's that's just not a true story. We'll talk about that more in a few minutes, probably. Um, so these garlic oil extracts will never contain any allicin, and they don't really have any, any real clinical data to support their use in health uh, claims at all. 
and certainly not in clinical medicine, which is what I'm interested in. So the second group that came along were the aged uh, garlic extracts, very popular in Japan where they were invented, very popular in America and Canada where they're very heavily promoted. But in Europe, they don't really get used at all. And what they do is they take their fresh garlic and they leave it to age in huge vats of vegetable oil. So garlic being a natural plant, David, you can imagine that over time it degrades, it, it begins to sprout. The allene, the alanase come together, they release allicin into the solution. The allicin is not stabilized, so it degrades into lots of other sulfur compounds. So again, the same story, when you analyze aged garlic extracts, they have no allicin, none whatsoever, but they do have lots and lots of sulfur compounds. And some of those in, in trials in animals particularly have shown to have some very interesting anti-cancer property. So they, they do seem to be able to reduce uh, certain types of breast cancer tumors, but at the moment only done in animals and in human cell line experiments. So there's been no human controlled trials completed yet. Um, so that's the aged garlic extract. There are, there are two more types. The third is very popular in Europe and America, but not so in Japan. And that is uh, garlic powder products. So you know what they're like. They'll be where you take your garlic salt and shake it on your chips or your fries. Um, and here what they do is they take their fresh garlic and they chop it into slices. So that physical process begins to release some of the allicin potential from the garlic. And then they very cleverly dehydrate the garlic. They take the water out and you end up with garlic powder. Now that garlic powder has what we call an intact allene alanase system. So those two chemicals are both in the powder. They're not reacting with each other because they need to be rehydrated. So as soon as they get damp or wet, then the allene and the alanase come together and start to release minute, tiny, tiny, tiny amounts of allicin. Again, the allicin isn't stabilized, so it degrades very, very quickly. Um, now, these products have been quite successful in clinical trial uh, in terms of reducing cholesterol and blood pressure. And the reason for that is that the, the scientists and manufacturers involved very cleverly coated the powder with sugar and shellac and titanium dioxide, magnesium stearate, uh, all, all, all compounds which we call excipients, which really our customers or our friends in the natural health food area don't really need and they don't really like. They like to have a nice clean product that isn't really contaminated with lots of chemical compounds to make it uh, biologically available, if you like. So what happens with uh, the powdered products is that you swallow them, they get down into the gut, and your stomach acid very cleverly breaks open the powder coatings very quickly, and the enzyme gets completely and irreversibly destroyed by your stomach acid. Now that's exactly what stomach acid is there to do. It's there to gobble up enzymes and proteins that we don't need, and allow us to absorb the nutrients and vitamins and minerals from the food that we are eating. So sadly, with garlic powder products, the quickest way to inactivate them or deactivate them is to actually swallow them. And uh, therefore, you're kind of defeating the whole object. So these, none of these compounds that I've mentioned so far, the oils, the aged garlics, or the garlic powders, have any evidence to suggest that they can kill a fungus, a virus, a bacteria, or a parasite. So the last group is the group that I'm most heavily involved with, obviously, and that is the stabilized allicin. And I led this team about uh, 14, 15 years ago now in, into this great uh, experiment to stabilize allicin. And to our great delight, we achieved it in, in 1999, and launched the first stable allicin product in the UK in the year 2000. So it was a great start to the new millennium. And since then, this material has now been exported to about 
28 to 30 countries around the world and has been very, very, very successful in terms of healing uh, people and getting rid of infectious diseases. So we have lots of data to prove that we can kill fungus, virus, bacteria and parasites. We also have data to show that we can reduce cholesterol and blood pressure and improve the quality of circulating blood. Now, why is that? The reason is that we have the mother substance, the allicin, and she is basically stabilized uh, and she can then get into the bloodstream and break down naturally over a period of 24 hours to give you all of those other sulfur compounds that you may find in some of the other types of garlic extract. So we really give you the closest possible thing to raw, fresh or cooked garlic. So I know what you're going to ask me. Well, what about real garlic? And you're right. You could certainly eat real garlic. You could certainly cook uh, garlic and get some benefit from it. But to be able to get a clinical benefit, to be able to get rid of a fungus, a virus, a parasite or a bacteria, you would need to eat an enormous amount of cooked garlic. I'll give you a comparison. One of our products is uh, combined with ginger. And if you took just one of those capsules every single day for seven days, you would have to eat and consume around about 40 heads of garlic. Not cloves, okay. <laughs> whole bowl. That's a bit. But David, you, you would smell all over the state <laughs> and all the way down to, to the south of the USA. <laughs> so you couldn't possibly achieve it. And also, as someone who's, who's trying to eat huge amounts of, of both cooked and fresh and raw garlic, you can't really eat very much because it will upset your stomach quite quickly. It's quite, it's quite an aggressive compound, garlic. Right. And I'm sure you know that if you chew a clove, well, some people just can't do it. Uh, some people can. They love it. You know, they like to eat chilies as well and that sort of thing. But it's not very good for your stomach. It can definitely irritate your stomach and upset your stomach. So we don't really recommend um, anybody to try and eat too much garlic. You can certainly juice it in the mornings. That's a great idea. Um, but you don't want to put too much into your diet. And certainly you will stink because it will get through into the bloodstream and come out through the pores of your skin really quite quickly um, and that obviously is the socially unacceptable side if you like of garlic now okay you know as well as I do that if we all eat it it doesn't matter and and you never spot it um, right. sadly that isn't the case for example in Germany they are nobody who works in the service industry is allowed to eat garlic Monday to Friday. Really? Yeah. Wow. They can, have, they can go out and have garlic on Friday and Saturday, but not <laughs> Sunday through to, to, uh, to, fr to Thursday. That's funny. That's good. <laughs> actually, I think it's actually a law. <laughs> really? It's a law? Well, I think so. It's certainly, wow. it's certainly frowned upon if you, uh, if you were to walk in smelling of garlic in, right. in, <laughs> into any service industry. There are many in, in Germany. <laughs> right. At least a strong guideline if you want to keep your job. <laughs> sure. yeah, exactly. it, it's funny you mention that too because I, a few months back I was having some garlic and I said uh, on Facebook, the woman, the woman of my dreams will not you know, be intimidated by garlic breath but instead love it and say, come here honey, let me kiss you. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, most people, like you said, aren't like that and, and it's kind of you know, frowned upon and surely, uh, what was it, 40, 40 bulbs of garlic? Well, uh, you're 40 heads, yeah. Or 40 heads, yeah, 40 heads. About 500 cloves of garlic a week. Now, you uh, could possibly manage that, I don't think. I don't think I can stomach it, so... Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, it's jolly useful. I've got two teenage daughters, and uh, to stop the boys from gathering around, <laughs> garlic every day of the week. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> well, that's a good tip for our listeners who have teenage daughters. Uh, <laughs> Because they don't notice, because I'm eating it as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, that's great. Well, so I'm I'm glad you you described the different the different um, the different forms of supplements because I have heard some interesting information about uh, you know the allicin uh, the active compound being inactive and, and and not even usable in in many supplements and and just the the quality like you mentioned too like you know adding magnesium stearate in these different preservatives or additives or whatever it may be 
just dilutes the quality of the, the end product. So, uh, well, I, I think the only one thing I wanted to add to that, David, was that, okay, you, you might expect me to say something like that, um, but all of that information that I've just given you actually comes from the websites of the supplement manufacturers. So I've told you exactly how they're made. They, they tell you how they're made. And if you ask them to prove how much allicin actually gets physically released in the stomach of a, of a human being, none of them can do it uh, because groups all around the world, in America, in Canada, here in the UK, in Australia, in Germany, we've all proven that under simulated intestinal fluid conditions and simulated gastric fluid conditions, if you put in a garlic powder product, for example, no allicin gets released at all because, as I said, the stomach acid eats up the enzyme, which is meant to convert the allene into allicin. And obviously, if you have no enzyme, then that cannot convert the allene, which is inactive anyway, uh, and therefore nothing gets released. So it's quite clear that, that um, if you really want to get allicin into the bloodstream, then stabilized allicin is definitely the way to go. And we do have lots and lots of published clinical trials to actually prove that. And these are done in animals and in human beings. So, you know, I do speak with, with the utmost confidence that if I, if I tell you it can kill the common cold virus, I can prove it. And if I tell you it can kill MRSA bacteria, I can prove it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of company we are. We put our, our profits into research and development to make sure that what we say is completely true. And of course, because we're not a licensed medicine, we're, we're virtually never able to tell people exactly what we've managed to achieve, which I find very, very frustrating. I, I can understand that completely. And, and I think it's great that you focus on quality as opposed to quantity, which unfortunately the majority of the supplement industry has, has turned into a quantity game, if you will. Oh, no, you're so right. That's so frustrating because as you read out in my bio at the very beginning, I've done clinical work on lots and lots of different health food compounds. And it's really, really annoying when you get something let's say, as great as ginkgo biloba, which is great for short-term memory, it's great for circulation into the brain and into other peripheral sites. Uh, and I've done controlled research to show that it really does improve short-term memory. And then you see that the market gets flooded with dozens and dozens of very cheap ginkgo biloba products. And then when you analyze them, you can't actually find any ginkgo biloba in them. Mm -hmm. It's just so annoying. And that that is the one really big criticism that I have uh, of the supplement industry is that you're quite right. It's a, it's a very perceptive uh, comment that you make that it is, it is a volume business and we've never tried to be that. We, we would rather stay small and flexible and in touch with our patient and customer base rather than try and see it used all over the globe and have hundreds of people copycat it and mm -hmm. fail <laughs> right yeah I, I think that's great and it's something that i'm very passionate about as well because uh, I've, I've spent thousands of dollars on supplements in my life and starting on that journey i i was getting isolated nutrients and just low quality supplements in general and i thought they were they were good they were okay you know i didn't i didn't really have an understanding of that world and then yeah. as i started to research and look into it, i understood the the you know the actual ingredients of, of the supplement are important the you know the quality how those plants are grown how they're, how they're made yeah exactly exactly the the i mean you, know, you obviously know as well as i do that most of the 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 cheap uh multivitamin multi-mineral type products uh 90 percent of that gets peed out within three hours of you taking uh the capsule or the tablet or whatever so you've really got to go for what we call food state vitamins if you really want to get some benefit. So, yeah, I'm, I couldn't agree with you more there. Yeah, very cool. And it's interesting too because I actually am just finishing a report on this called Your Supplements Suck. It's, <laughs> it's meant to educate consumers on the buying process of supplements and, and why that's so important. And, 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 you know, the work that you do I think is very valuable because – 
the the quality the cream of the crop rises to the top you know the quality it lasts and i, I found that you know in the work that i do and in, in the the companies that i've worked with uh the quality of the product always sustains itself if if the the uh the person running the company has a good heart and they focus on that quality and i think you're doing it sounds like you're doing great work uh and is your supplement on amazon as well so that people in america or other countries can buy it uh yeah i mean in america we've got a, a few sort of routes to market as they say I don't, I don't like the expression but you will find it on on uh amazon as alimax okay uh and then there are other combinations that we sell in America. So, for example, at the Allison Center, you'll find Allison with ginger. You won't find that anywhere else in, in the world. So that, that particular combination is designed for people with arthritis, for example, because ginger has a great role to play in, in osteo and rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, then we have another one with uh, vitamin C added to it. Not not very originally. It's called Ali C, but uh, but there we go. So uh, you've you the thing to do is um, customers who are who are listening or watching or or read about uh, this interview, the thing to watch out for is does the packaging say Ali Shaw on it? If it says Ali Shaw, that means that it's made with our stabilized Allison, and that's it's that's the guarantee that it's quality and that it will work and it will do what I say it does. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. The, the Allison is obviously an active uh, compound of garlic, but are there other foods that have Allison as an active compound as well? Uh, well, onion has a little tiny, tiny amount, not much. Um, uh, obviously, it comes from the same family as leeks, onions, um, but again, it's the garlic that really is the is the driving force behind uh, the compound allicin. Interestingly, one of the large pharmaceutical companies tried to synthesize allicin some years ago, and they failed completely, which I was rather pleased about. <laughs> and and, and it, again, interestingly, if you look at the chemical structure of this particular compound, allicin, it shares uh, something in common with penicillin which, is, as you know, was invented in the 1920s. And it's a sulfur-oxygen bond. So I think that's one reason why allicin is such a very, very good antibiotic. This bond is the most reactive part and is able to... We, we actually know how it works. It can actually penetrate the cell wall of invading bacteria. Allicin is, if you will, a small molecule. Its molecular weight is only 162. So it can actually get into the cell wall, and once it's inside, it will prevent that bacteria from releasing various proteins and enzymes that it needs to replicate. So it's what I call a smart molecule. Antibiotics, on the other hand, tend to be much bigger in terms of their molecular size and weight, and what they rely on is binding to receptor sites on the outside of those invasive bacteria. And that's exactly how penicillin works. However, uh, bacteria, as we know, unfortunately, are very, very, very clever and very adept at changing their shape and structure. So literally within 10 years of penicillin becoming very, very widely used all across the globe, 99% of all strains uh, were resistant to penicillin within 10 years. And that's happened again and again and again with new antibiotics that have been uh, released over the past 50, 60 years. And this is one reason why the drug industry don't really get excited about basic clinical research uh, into releasing or, or producing or inventing new antibiotics because they don't feel there's enough money in it, which is ridiculous, of course. Um, and that's why I think in the coming 5, 10, 15 years, natural extracts like allicin, uh, and we've got a few more in the pipeline, obviously, are going to become much, much more important in killing out infectious pathogens, uh, which, we, which we know, unfortunately, now uh, come from all over the world. I mean, obviously, we've all been incredibly worried about the... Uh, 
the, the stuff coming out of Western Africa recently, and then last year it was China, the year before it was Mexico, then before that it was Spain, and, you know, so we live in difficult times, and therefore we need every piece of armor that we can lay our hands on to prevent infectious disease from overwhelming us and killing literally millions of people. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this information is so valuable because when I see things like Ebola or, you know, whatever it may be, now I just kind of laugh and I think, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to be fine because I, I've, this is, this is my life, you know, this is what I do. And I, it's just, I'm not worried about it, you know, and it's something that there's so much out there, so many tools and foods and supplements and, and therapies. I mean, so many things you can do. It's like, you know, and I, th I think a lot of that is kind of like fear mongering too. It's to get, it's to, it's to scare people into antibiotics or vaccines or you know what have you. Uh, it is interesting. I agree. <laughs> I agree. It, it, it gets blown out of all proportion. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we've had Ebola outbreaks for the last twenty-four years, and yet it's only this year that suddenly, uh, you know, they're going to make a vaccine for it. Now, why didn't they do that twenty-four years ago? Tell mm -hmm. me that. You know, because. Because in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that important. And it is being beaten over in Western Africa anyway. You need to put it into context. And if you run a pretty fit, healthy immune system and you have a number of uh, compounds that you have access to, like allicin, for example, like vitamin C, for example, uh, then you can pretty much fight off almost anything as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. And, and there's so many other plants as well. I could go on and on. The oh. Plants from the Amazon rainforest, some of the strongest antibacterial, antibacterial yeah. you know, I mean, uh, a large portion of pharmaceutical drugs are synthesized from plants from the Amazon rainforest. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, and they don't work. They're, they're dumb molecules. So... <laughs> That's right. Uh, so it, I, I really, I really enjoyed this interview. I really appreciate your time. Uh, what what book are you releasing next? You mentioned that uh, you have a new well, there's book. A, there's a new a new book coming out in the next few weeks. It's it's called um, uh, Stabilized Allison Power Performance Proof, and that really is an up to date version of the Heart of Garlic book that you mentioned at the top of this uh, interview. So it's got everything in it up up until very recently. Uh, and and it's a it's a good read, but it's the base. It's a very similar structure to the one that you that you've been reading. So as soon as that comes along, it, it'll be a few weeks. I'll certainly let you know, and uh, and hopefully people will be able to get hold of copies in the states and in Canada uh, relatively easily. Hopefully. Great, that's awesome. I'll, I'll definitely link your current book up as well as that one once it's online on my website. Uh, I have one final question for you, and that question is, what are the top three tips you would give someone in their life, and these can be practices regarding mind, body, or spirit health, uh, that would allow someone the freedom, if you will, to, to live what I call a healthy, wild, and free life? That's a, that's a very difficult question to answer quickly, I'd say, but um, th three, three tips I would give is, one, stay as clean as you can. So. Um, you know, there's so many bacteria and germs circulating around. Wash your hands regularly. You don't have to wash them in, in alcohol. You can wash them with soap and water. Uh, you can use some uh, Allison-type gels if you want to. Um, so st stay as clean as possible because, you know, washrooms and undergrounds and uh, metros and buses are so filthy that you pick up infection there very, very easily. Secondly, I'd say keep your immune system as fit and healthy as possible. That means, you know, don't do anything to too much of an excess. Don't drink too hard. Don't work too hard. Don't eat too much. Exercise plenty. Take supplements that will enhance your immune system and protect you, as we've been talking about today. Uh, and the third tip is stay happy. You know, being happy is really, really important, I think, in today's modern life. And, uh, uh, that's that's something that I like to do, and every day I get happy because people send me testimonials to say that we've helped them somehow, and uh, that makes that makes uh, life pretty complete for me. That's awesome. That's great, and I, I think doing work that you're doing, and, and for me in my life as well, doing work that I do, it it's inspiring and fulfilling on so many levels. So it just adds to that that happiness bucket, if you will. 
Um, thank you so much for your time, Peter. I really appreciate it. Where can our listeners find you online, uh, your website? Uh, like I said, I'll link up your books, but what websites or, or social media? Well, the, be- the best one to go to in the States is www.allisoncenter.com. So that's A-L-L-I-C-I-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. And I'm actually coming over to Detroit in December to do a couple of lectures. Really? Yep, so watch out for those. So if you're around... You should obviously come down and we can meet up. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love that. That'd be awesome. And then we can uh, maybe make a video in person or, you know, post some more stuff on the site. Fantastic. Cool. Well, thank you so much once again for your time and uh, have a great rest of the day. And I'm going to go find some great garlic now. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Thank you very much. Take care.